the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. He's John, I'm Joe, and we're back one week later. Who'd have thought? And this might be the easiest episode <laughs> that we've ever recorded because we kind of previewed this yesterday unexpectedly. Uh, we were in a situation. Some, uh, some folks were, got a live show, yeah. <laughs> you were holding court and we kind of agreed on everything. So I hope you're... You've changed course because I, I haven't, I, like, nothing's changed on my end. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll talk about the Eagles Giants game, if you can call it a game. We're also going to talk about the other. Was it, was it more NFL. practice? <laughs> I, I would say it was more of a, a quick, light exercise for the birds. We'll talk about the other games too, the upcoming conference championships. But uh, kind of a lot has happened otherwise since we last recorded. Uh, on a controversial note, I believe as we were recording last week, the whole Ivan Provorov thing was happening with the, uh, the the controversy over his decision not to wear the Pride Night warm-ups. That was literally happening while we were talking, so I think we both saw about it like, and texted each other around the same time, like, oh, guess we missed something. The one time we talked about the Flyers in the last however many months, and they were like, wait, wait, guys, we got something else for you. Well, I, I would say that's considered of them, but in this instance, yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is I just read an article today, and I don't know when it was published, but I just read it today on Crossing Broad. It might have been from today uh, by Anthony Sanfilippo, I think is his name. He just goes through this timeline of the you know, the good old boy network that has been running the Flyers since its existence. Oh, this was the Kingmakers article. I had yeah. this saved, but I have I have yet to read it. He's well. I won't ruin it for you. Uh, but spoiler, read it. But I, I I know how it ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think you also kind of know how it starts and how it how the middle looks too. Um, although it's kind of uh, sobering to think of the the time how the Flyers were good in the '90s is the middle of the franchise's history at this point when we actually remember it. Really? Uh, I'll gloss over that. I will just say that. It's um, if you're against that sort of thing, it's a it's a pretty big indictment of the franchise. And if you consider that they've kind of been stuck in the mud the last number of years, it makes some good points as to what needs to happen to change that. And, you know, I won't I won't tell you exactly what what they said, but I, I think it's pretty clear and and it makes a reference to the discord within the organization around the Provorov thing. It's kind of like the, the, the spark that maybe ignited the, the story itself. I don't know, but I highly recommend that it's uh there are a lot of names in there that I recognize and had no idea had anything to do with the flyers, but you know, and, and then if you contrast them with the, their, their co-tenants at the Wells Fargo center, the Sixers are hot, John. And nobody seems to notice because of the Eagles. We talked about this last week, right? How the, the Sixers kind of are enjoying that that period where like they can struggle a little bit, find their legs because everyone was focused on the Phillies and then the Eagles. The Flyers can, can mire themselves in mediocrity and kind of get away with it so long as it you know doesn't sustain itself over a span of years like it has. Pretty soon... All eyes are going to be on them, and the Sixers are rounding into form 5-0 and on their West Coast road trip, including a big comeback in Sacramento that I want to say maybe eight people in Philadelphia saw. I didn't. I was kind of following the game on social media. I was watching the Eagles game with some friends, and one of my friends had pulled the Sixers game up on his phone, and it was halftime, I think, when he ended up leaving. I watched something else with the people whose house I was at, kind of forgot about the Sixers game, just to find out afterward that they had won. Well, usually I'm cognizant enough of like a West Coast trip to at least wake up the next day. And one of the first things I do is like, oh, the Sixers win, Phillies win, you know, whatever. They're 
whatever someone's out late. Well, I'm the guy that doesn't go to bed usually until the games are over. <laughs> I or an hour after. I aspire to be. Maybe I get no, no, through no, the no, first no. like seven innings. <laughs> it, well, it, it's almost just, worse. Just be who you are. Be who you're being. It's better for you. <laughs> yeah, you can either do one or the other. There's no there's no halfway. That's why I always hate when the Phillies are in St. Louis because they have those eight o'clock starts and they're kind of teasers. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, it's midnight. Um, I digress. But I, they're so out of sight and out of mind right now. And I have been watching like most of their games. It's just that that fourth quarter, that's what I struggle to get through. Um, but they're so out of sight and out of mind right now that when I was driving to work the next day, I was hearing them talk about the, the game on the radio. And I was like, wait, hang on. I got to find out if they actually won or not, because I have no idea. Like, I didn't even know they played. <laughs> I had no, uh, no idea about details. I actually thought the West Coast trip was over because I saw something about them getting on a plane. I just guess that plane was just to Sacramento. Um, <laughs> so they played in Portland on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I think maybe that was a, it was just one of those things. I think I saw them like, oh, Portland, all right, they're, they're coming home because it feels like they've been out on the West Coast for a while, as is usually the case this time of year. Yeah, Harden and Embiid didn't even play in that game on Saturday night. So th- that that's the kind of game. And we both fully admitted we did not watch it. We were watching other things. Um, but that's the kind of result, I'll say, that can really like bring a team together and be like a, a stepping stone. I, I believe I heard that you know, they started off 12 and 12 and that they're now like 18 and four since then, something like that. But that's really the kind of game that can galvanize your bench, right? Guys who aren't used to playing as many minutes get out on the floor and, and they have a comeback like that, that it can only bode well for the rest of the season, unless it gives your coach an issue with, well, this guy played really well. I got to play him more. And then you start messing with rotations and the way that people feel about doc rivers in this town, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are terrified. He's going to do just that. And it's going to mess everything up Uh, on behalf of the fan base. Doc don't touch anything. It was a one-time thing that's going to happen again. There are going to be games where you don't play Joel Embiid or James Harden. Take advantage of, of what you learned on Saturday. When those when those times come, don't don't mess with anything. If it ain't broke, don't smash it with a hammer. I think is what the old adage says, right? I I, I don't Close know if that's enough. what it says. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but I will say rotations are the the thing that I've noticed. It's the lazy thing fans focus on for the NBA when they have nothing else to complain about or, or don't have a finer thing. Like I noticed that you know for the for the Eagles, who we'll get to, like. How many defensive coordinators in a row is it going to take for people to realize that Buddy Ryan is no longer with us? They're like <laughs> that. This is not how the NFL, like the constant rushing of the passer with blitzes is not how the NFL happens in 2023. It just isn't. Um, and you, you, you know, you hear that same thing and it's like this, it's like the same confident vagueness or vague confidence, whatever it is, and a take. And like rotations are the other thing. And a lot of times it's like, look, there's only like eight options that yeah. a coach has to choose from. And most teams in the NBA sit out their stars at the exact same time. So what else are they supposed to do? Sometimes at a playoff, you can like a playoff series, you can be a little bit more specific. But it's like the regular season, like the idea is that they get through the game healthy. Well, and hopefully it's, win. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's secondary, of course, to health, of course, is winning the game. Um, sometimes, though, it is. We have this character flaw that I don't know if other cities have because I'm not from other cities. But it, B-ball, Paul disease, Isaiah Joe disease. Like basketball we look and see ball. Isaiah Joe. We've been over this. It's basketball, Paul. <laughs> we, we see Isaiah Joe having success out in Oklahoma City. And we're like, man. Doc should have played him more. Or why isn't he playing Paul Reed? And it's like, look, there's a reason those guys were 8, 9, 10 in the rotation, if even that, right? And yes, people dislike Doc. So this, what I'm about to say, they may feel is not true, but generally the coach of your team knows more about the team than you do, right? So we tend to fall in love with these, these I don't want to call them scrubs, but these these bench players who aren't superstars, they're role players and barely that. So when B-ball Paul doesn't get to play or basketball Paul or 
Paul of the ball, whatever you want to call him, doesn't play and the team loses, well, that must be why. B-ball Paul should have been in the game. Then they wouldn't have lost to the Lakers by 15 or whatever. So that you're talking about rotation. That's what it is, I think. That's what we hear more than anything else. It's specific guys that don't play as much. Well, you know what? Maybe there's a reason that guy doesn't play as much. Yeah, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I think all fan bases are guilty of it. Maybe we're extra guilty. I think I'm more guilty of the why is Matt Veerling playing more. And somehow we did not talk about this last week, the, the, the trade that sent Veerling and Nick Maton out of town. We'll talk about it at some point when we talk about the, the upcoming Philly season. But Dave Dombrowski, five out of five, no notes. Perfect trade. Carry on. I, I don't understand the people criticizing that trade because it was one of those things like... Because it's what I just said. They love Matt Veerling like they love Paul Reed. Maybe Cure Auto Insurance has some kind of, or Car Shield, whichever what it is. Yeah, he's a just, Car Shield guy, John. Right, there goes that sponsorship for us. Great. Um, <laughs> that wasn't happening anyways. Let, 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 let's just say but, that, that <laughs> I think we're previewing part of the later conversation where we're finding probably. something to be mad about despite things going very well but <laughs> I, I will say <laughs> I'll, I'll admit to being guilty of that many times there are some players the Sixers I wish drafted um, Nick Skauskas Stauskas sorry was uh, <laughs> there are guys I wish they drafted I don't know their names but they're there <laughs> no he was a guy I was convinced um, that I was like he could shoot the three They've got to draft him, and then like, uh, then later it was like, oh, maybe maybe I'm glad they they didn't draft him. And then the other, the counter to that is I was like, oh, they got to draft Steph Curry. He could shoot the three. He, he would be really good coming off the bench. Uh, T.J. McConnell, he's the point guard of the future, you know. <laughs> uh, so takes like that. I I think we all find ourselves guilty of the small sample size, as it as it were. Uh, the backup quarterback syndrome exactly. where the, that guy could do it better. If the guys on the floor aren't getting the job done, well, the other guys must be able to. When the reality is probably like the other guys aren't even as good as the guys who are failing. But no. <laughs> And speaking of the backup quarterback, I think that is one thing we don't want to see on the field for the <laughs> Eagles this week. The backup quarterback, the backup to the hey. backup quarterback is on the field for the 49ers. Well, we got to see the backup quarterback as we segue into the Eagles divisional playoff. That was a long destruction segue. of <laughs> the Giants. Uh, we did get to see the backup quarterback. That's how badly the Eagles destroyed the Giants. They hit him with a a proverbial too small celebration. It's all the rage in the NBA, and apparently with like eight year old basketball teams. But uh, they just destroyed the Giants, thirty eight to seven. If you listened last week, or if you read Quick Picks, or if you had a conversation with me at any point since Saturday night, I've told you the game went exactly how I predicted that it would and that it had to. The Eagles got the ball. They scored. They stuffed the Giants to the tune of two consecutive Hassan Reddick sacks to end a drive. And then they got the ball back and they scored. They went up 28 to nothing at halftime. They put their foot in the throat and they kept it there. And then in the second half, the Giants, ah, they got some yards. They put a touchdown on the board, kind of like the way they started to get back into the game in Week 18. And then the Eagles said, no, nah, no, we're done here. Kenneth Gainwell, the touchdown, I believe the one that made it 38-7. to It was late enough in the game where you thought he might pull a Brian Westbrook and just slide down and end it. Ends up getting shoved into the end zone, basically, by a Giants defender from the 10-yard line. <laughs> um, just a 250-plus rushing yard performance. Complete, total domination. Daniel Jones was getting hit so bad, his contact fell out. You want to talk about a perfect game. It wasn't a perfect game, but you're not going to get closer. Especially your first game in a couple of weeks. Your first game with your full team actually trying in a month and plus you're getting the extra day of rest to stay home to play for a shot at the Super Bowl. It could not have gone better for the Eagles, except for the fact that they said AJ Brown got dinged up during the game, but he's fine. You'd rather him not be dinged up even if he's fine. When I saw that, I thought 
hey, he played a football game. Yeah. Like that's the, <laughs> I was a little dinged up. up just from watching. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so with my, like, congratulations again on your comeback attempt in quick Well, picks. I gotta say, like, when I've been right this year, I have been right. I just haven't been right enough. <laughs> Which is a problem uh, in itself. But uh, what what I thought uh, thought of the game, just going back to the team's track record. Thank you, by the way, for transcribing my text onto to Quick Picks. I attempted to send you an email uh, <laughs> from uh, Bethlehem, PA, and uh, the steel mill uh, there <laughs> apparently does not have good Wi-Fi. Um, you know, when I say quick picks, John, we meant like we're not doing a TV segment on it. It's just a couple paragraphs. It, it, you didn't. I, I didn't mean like a a carrier pigeon length of of text. <laughs> I, I didn't want Maybe you if to you get... put a little more thought into it this week. You'll do better, he said, despite being two games behind with. Fortunately, maybe two games played. Something about being right more often. But I thought the game would kind of go as it did in the first half, but I expected the second half to be more of a Giants claw back again and plays a little loose. But that didn't happen. Uh, maybe it was the Giants. Maybe it was the Eagles. Maybe they've got that other gear in them that we didn't quite see during the regular season because quite frankly if there's one criticism i have of the eagles is during the regular season they were too boring they just won games i mean what's going <laughs> well, that, on with that that's a pretty hot take <laughs> i mean i'll i'll take it but it has it, it's very much the chris carter just catches touchdowns type of criticism uh, and the, you know they were pretty consistent with it and i, I thought like oh, you know but they'll let the giants back in it like they'll they'll win but at some point like and it's funny i was about to text uh some of my friends uh saquon's probably gonna break one off and then he broke one off and i'm thinking like okay here we go they're 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 clawing back and they didn't um and this is again i was confident enough about this game that when one of my buddies who's a giants fan asked me how the Eagles are going to lose this game or what would happen to the Eagles if they were to lose this game. And I just said an act of God because I didn't see <laughs> them losing this game at all unless something bad happened. Now, that that's the kind of thing that could set you up for a lifetime of poison uh, when you like lob a, a hot takeout like that when you're that confident <laughs> because that's usually when something comes down to earth. But that didn't happen. And... You know, what I'm looking to see is this weekend, do they have that other thing left in the tank? Do they have that other gear? Because they're going to need to do that to beat the 49ers. What I saw on, and we'll talk about this game a little bit more, but I, what I saw with Brock Purdy this weekend is he looked ripe for the picking. They, there were so many opportunities where he just lobbed the ball over the middle of the field and it bounced off a defender or it was a little little sort of breathtaking away i'm sure if you're a 49ers fan that didn't happen i i would have to think there's almost no way my defensive standout for this week isn't going to be slay he's gonna get one i could i could feel it if not more him he and bradbury i could just see feasting on purdy i think there's a really good chance that what we saw on Saturday, they can double their efforts and just have that other kind of performance where they just get to that next level. John, I'd like to remind you that we do do an outline of the show, and later on we are going to talk about the next. I game. can I could talk you, about this you just, again. <laughs> you've just insulted the Giants again by just you're not even going to talk about them anymore. <laughs> Gotta love it. Um, I mean, I, I asked you. That, hey, was what my, is like, that was my mic drop with the pen. <laughs> like, what is one thing that 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 bodes best for the Eagles moving forward out of that game. And like for me, I think as much as we talked about health last week, we saw that Lane Johnson can play and that Jalen Hurts can throw the ball like he had been throwing it during the season. And that's right? all you need. A little bit under it. where it Good needs to everybody. be most of the time, but we know that's not necessarily injury related. Um, obviously, San Francisco is going to be better at stopping the run than the Giants were because – it would be really difficult to be worse um, when you give up 
250 yards rushing that's good. in a playoff game, that's that's humiliating. Um, that's the kind of performance that get that, that gets defensive coordinators fired. Um, if you weren't in your first year and had a great year before that, uh, Brian Dable came down to earth a little bit. Uh, he might still be the NFL coach of the year. Who knows? But uh, th- that was just a thorough outclassing in every facet of the game by the top seed. They did what the top seed is supposed to do when a low seed upsets its opponent and comes into town. They summarily steamrolled them. And I, I think a comparison I'll make is, is I, you know, surprise soccer minute. Uh, I'm a big fan of Manchester City, and they are one of the best clubs in the world with a great collection of That's talent. That's not the surprise. And five, five minutes into a game, you can tell if they're up for it or not. All right? You can tell if, like, ooh, this is a game where an inferior team is going to be in it the whole time. Or this is a game where City can pick the final score, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. The Eagles were up for it. And like that's that's not always the case when a team comes off a bye. And like we said, they didn't try for a couple of weeks. And then they kind of tried for half of a game in there. You know, some injuries. Like you can be cautious, you can have some rust. They were up for it. And and it showed. And it was one of those games where they could pick the final score. And that started from the head coach on down because there was some swagger. Well, and I'll put I, that one on the tee, leave, I, go to the kitchen, <laughs> and listen for a little while because I think you and I are in lockstep on this one. There is one negative to come out of this game, and it's more of a theoretical negative. It's something to be cautious of and, and wary of, but it's something we've talked about. You called it out specifically last week. You talked about the Eagles coaching staff being prone to outthinking itself, right? I believe Galaxy Brain is, Galaxy uh, Brain is what the you word texted me yes. multiple times <laughs> from multiple head coaches this weekend. <laughs> uh, we could talk about that later, though. Well, <laughs> Nick Sirianni and, and his staff seem to be of the Galaxy Brain variety. And what I mean by that is there are two plays in particular that I'm sure a lot of people have talked about that ultimately meant nothing. But that's really where the issue is for me. And 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 this is probably gonna turn into some sort of rant or monologue, and I apologize in advance. But no, you don't. That <laughs> the the two point conversion where everyone is talking about the clip where Sirianni's yelling at the official, I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm allowed to be, I know the mm. rules or whatever. Um, to paraphrase. Uh on that play, you're up twenty seven to nothing. Again, you have your foot thoroughly planted on the throat of your divisional rival. They go out there and they line up to go for two and and they try to draw them offside. And then when they don't, they take the timeout. There's 43 seconds left in the half. They have two timeouts. They don't need them. Okay. But here's the thing. If it worked, then you go for two from the one yard line. But why? First of all, it's never going to work, right? They know what you're doing. And even if, if it does work or they they slack off and you go for it, what's the point of going up 29 to nothing as opposed to 28 to nothing in a game that you're winning in a route? If that one point made a difference, you're going to have a whole host of other issues to deal with. Why risk your actual offensive players for one play? And honestly, if I'm the Giants defense and you're going for two up four touchdowns, all right, well, maybe maybe I'm not hearing the whistle quite as easily. I don't want to accuse any of them of being dirty, but we saw what Kayvon Thibodeau did when well, he took out. That's exactly the kind of thing that would have happened. Yeah, Jalen Hurts would have been on the ground, ago. and yeah. Thibodeau would have been doing snow angels again, as fans are running on the field attacking him. But why are you putting yourself in that position, right? What's the point? It's for one measly point. If karma was real, the Eagles would have missed the extra point. But <laughs> the other play is that ridiculous fake fake punt where everyone goes running and Reed Blankenship is under center. It's I, I, I get that you're in no man's land. It's fourth and eight. It's a little too long to go for it. But if it's fourth and three and you're five yards forward, you're probably going for it just because of where you are in the field. But you want to take the delay of game to give the punter some more room. Then just let the clock run out and take a delay of game. What are you doing? There's no benefit to that. The Giants aren't going to fall for it. And even if they just stood up and were like, we're not doing anything, and you try to run a play, Reed Blankenship is not engineering an eight-yard gain. Okay? So the Giants are getting the ball back. It, there's no benefit to that. And here's 
here's where the issue is. It's not that like, oh, it, that, that could have cost them the game. No. Those plays had no bearing on the outcome of the game. But what they reflect is a mindset, which is what I was referring to with the galaxy brain thing. The 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 arrogance, boldness, whatever you want to call it, the swagger that you, you use that term, and that's probably a good one, to do something like that indicates that your mindset is, is prone to do that in just about any sort of situation. And we'll talk about it when we talk about the Cowboys 49ers game. Uh, That's the kind of thing that will come back to hurt them. You you said it last week that the only thing that seems like it can beat the Eagles is outfoxing yourself, you know, getting that DJ Khaled, you played yourself meme going. If Nick Sirianni wants to become a meme, he's got to avoid that one. And, And I just don't understand. Like, why can't you just go win a football game without doing stuff like that? Because you're going to do it again. They're going to do something like that against the 49ers. And chances are they're not going to be up four touchdowns, and they're not going to have that cushion. And it could cost them a, a, a random two-point conversion attempt or a trick play that blows up. And you see which Bosa is on the 49ers. It's Nick, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Joey almost see, got thrown out of the Chargers game. That's right. You see Nick Bosa running the other way with a football, and suddenly your your fourteen three lead is fourteen ten or something like that. It, it, it's it, it was unnecessary, and I talked to a few people about it, and someone said I'm convinced they just wanted to put something on tape. What were you putting on tape? Are the 49ers now going to prepare for the Reed for Blankenship fake playing. punt? Like, uh, all right, guys, uh, don't jump off. So- got it. Cool. All right. Like, I don't. I don't understand. It was unnecessary. I don't think there was any benefit and any benefit that it might have that I don't see cannot be big enough to be worth the risk of, of being crazy. I I just, I don't get it. So two, two things with this, I'm not going to disagree with a single thing you said, but just to kind of double going down to remind on me it. that they won by four touchdowns. <laughs> no, no, because I, I think I had the exact same takeaways of the game where it, it almost, it was. It's the Philadelphia part of me where it's like I'll focus on the negative and not, not the positive. So two things. The first this is the easiest one. You're not going to get pretty much any NFL defense, but especially the New York Giants to jump off sides or do whatever you want them to do in that situation. Partially because it was obvious, but also they're a very well coached team. If they weren't a well coached team, because they're they're they weren't a talented team that snuck in like they weren't certain any kind of I think they are a rising team but it wasn't because of their talent uh but they didn't sneak into the playoffs because all of the sudden all of their rookies are you know realizing the next tier or whatever that's they're a well-coached team that starts on table on down I think he's probably the best coach in the division that is tough to say because I think Ron Rivera was he just made an unfortunate choice in franchise um, <laughs> he's got too much commanders in him now. <laughs> yes, it's just it, he. If anyone was going to turn it around, it was going to be him, and it still still wasn't him. It's funny how I'm sure the consensus would be that Mike McCarthy in Dallas is the worst coach in the division, and as of today, he's the only one with a Super Bowl. <laughs> like I said, um, you know, and, and the other the other part of this, and this is what's concerned me. This is. An opinion that I, I I think all football coaches have this to some degree, but I think it's especially true with this football staff is I think they are more focused on drawing up the next Philly special than they are just winning the game. And we saw this, you know, this is the kind of thing that teams expose themselves to in the playoffs. Like it'll happen in the regular season. It'll drive you nuts in the regular season. But we saw, as we sort of transition to the other games, what poor coaching can do. The 49ers possibly could have lost that game because a player didn't step out of bounds correctly. You know, it didn't cost them the game. On the flip side, Mike McCarthy almost cost his quarterback and his running back to get killed on (laughs) possibly... The worst, like, whatever mad genius Charlie Day chalkboard 
gif you want to come up with offensive coordinator pepe sylvia <laughs> like you know he was like writing he's been writing that play on a napkin for like 30 years and he couldn't wait to do it and i'm sitting there I'm like there's no way this is gonna work now that being said it's a safe assumption because almost no play in that situation works right <laughs> but it was so ridiculous it's like that's this can't possibly work but if anything he gave us something to talk about so thank you mike well, let's actually take a break and then we'll get into that. It's a nice cliffhanger, even though I think you basically gave away the the shop there with, with the Cowboys Niners talk. But we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll discuss the other divisional games and then we'll we'll talk about our thoughts on the upcoming Eagles 49ers NFC Championship game. So stick around. We'll be right back. back on the Philly Frenetics podcast. We're going to talk about the other three NFL divisional playoff games. John, I mentioned that the the Eagles game went exactly how I thought it would. I just want to say, and and you're involved in the same for fun pick them thing, no prizes, but we've, we've picked the NFL playoffs before they happen. And it's been happening. We've been doing this for the last dozen years. I have picked nine out of the 10. Two time. I wasn't going to mention that. I have picked nine out of the 10 games correctly. And not only did I pick them correctly? I knew exactly how the games would go, right? I knew that Dallas was going to embarrass Tampa Bay, and we talked about that last week. I knew that the Giants would beat the Vikings. I knew that San Francisco was going to kill Seattle. I knew that the Jaguars were going to... I, 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 everything went exactly how I predicted, and it happened again this weekend. Except. Except, except for one game. That was the Bills-Bengals game. And, of course, the Bills are the team I picked to win the Super Bowl. So typical me, <laughs> I get all of the early things right. It's like your NCAA tournament bracket where you go, you know, 85, 90% through the first two rounds and then seven of your final eight lose in the Sweet 16. Um, that's happened to me <laughs> more than once or twice. And that's actually why I stopped doing brackets because it got to the point where <laughs> I couldn't actually watch the tournament for the, enjoying the tournament. I was watching the tournament to be wrong yet again. Um, <laughs> same thing happening. Like when I was looking at this, I had a feeling that the Bills weren't going to go far. But the best postmortem I saw of this game was that the Bills were built to be a dome team, not to be a cold weather team. But the it Bengals is shocking how bad they were in bad weather. But the Bengals being an AFC North team, which is the most physical division in football, and you can go back. 20 years, 30 years, like the Bengals, the team my that employed Vontae's perfect. Yes. Not all that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, they're built for this stuff. I mean, you have to be to built to, to beat the Steelers, to beat the Ravens. And like Buffalo, it snows in Buffalo, man. Like what am I going to say? <laughs> uh, it just seemed like while the day before the Jaguars put together an effort to be proud of the bills, seemed to put out no effort in that game. And I, I don't mean like literally they didn't try, but you know, with all the emotion of DeMar Hamlin being at the game and, and, you know, playing that home game for the right to play in Atlanta against Kansas city. I, I, I just don't know how you come out that flat. And I say that with the caveat that the Eagles could find themselves in that position on Sunday afternoon, right? Oh no. With everything on the line. The Bengals are too good of a team to to do that, and I don't know if if we all got a little blinded by how how much trouble the Bengals had with the Ravens, right? They were about to go down by a touchdown in that game until they got a ninety eight yard fumble recovery touchdown. The Bills went up seventeen nothing and then had the scratch and claw to hold on against Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins. So we probably should have seen that coming, but I mean. I feel like over the last few years, the Bengals probably play the nobody believes in us card. They did. Than they did. Does. For this week, it was the I can't believe they're selling tickets for a game that may happen next week yeah. card. <laughs> and, and that was their, their big thing. I, when, and that's the thing. I think it was the NFL doing it, not the Bills, obviously. 
So that motivation was a little uh, misplaced. But then again, if you can act like the whole league is against you, that's the that's the ultimate, right? Because every well, fan always believes that anyway. Now, if you get the players believe in that, I, I I've heard many people try to put the Eagles in the same situation of like nobody believes in them. Like, I, dude, they're the number one seed. Well, to be fair, uh, five years ago they were the number one seed, and nobody believed in them. So there's a reason for that. <laughs> maybe though. including at least one or two people on this call right now. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> but <laughs> it's funny, you know, when they went and played the uh, the Falcons, I was like, I don't know, I don't know about this. And then they're playing the Vikings. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. And then it's like, oh, they're playing the Patriots. I'm like, Eagles will win. 24 21. Uh, I, I think I had, I had kind of the same thing where I didn't know if they would win, but I knew they were going to give them a game. Yeah. And I, I was happy with that. It's not like I was happy to be there, but I was like, you know what? They're going to give them a game, and I think they've got a good chance. And I feel like this team has the same, as we will talk about this later, but I, I might be feeling the same way this weekend. You know who didn't feel that way? or won't be feeling that way is the Jaguars. Uh, you know, I, I got to say, if you're a Jaguars fan or a member of that organization, you got to be sitting here today like, you got to be on, what, what's, I don't know how clouds work. What's next to cloud nine? Is it cloud eight? Is the neighbor of cloud nine? Is is it eight and a half? Like Florida's got a lot of low-lying clouds that just bring <laughs> in that constant rain. You just don't know it because the Marlins playing a dome. <laughs> If the Jaguars mean anything to you at all, you've got to be thrilled. All right. Last year, you were you were the laughing stock of the league. All right. Your coach got fired in the middle of his first season, which I believe it only happened three other times. Possibly right? the worst f- coaching hire ever. You were a cultural cesspool. And I, I think that the discussion of culture in, in the workplace and in sports is sometimes overrated. But, I mean, in this instance, it was exactly the problem. Doug Peterson came in, and, and the reason that everyone said Doug Peterson would be a good coach there is because he's a good dude, right? Well, he did and the like, same thing here. He came yeah, after Chip exactly. Kelly, who everyone despised in that building. Right. And everyone's like, hey, he said hello to me in the hallway, and everyone's like, hey, he's a great dude. So yeah. it's almost the same situation. I, I feel like that loss to the Chiefs was like when the Eagles lost to the Giants the year the Giants uh, played the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I, I feel like... It's like the crawl before you walk sort of thing. The Jaguars have started walking now and they've gotten a taste of it. They've kind of unlocked Trevor Lawrence's potential a little bit because last year he was looking like a bust. And then everybody gave the caveat of, well, look what was going on elsewhere. What happens if he gets a a good coach or a guy who's known for being good at quarterbacks and or Doug Peterson. And there were people that thought the Jaguars were going to beat the chiefs. And honestly, it was one of those games where you feel like the Chiefs might feel fortunate to have gotten out of there with the win. Obviously, the Patrick Mahomes injury is going to be talked about ad nauseum, but the Jaguars had some chances. It was wet and rainy and snowy and and balls were being dropped. The Jaguars had chances, and it was just, a, you know, I talked about a number one seed destroying an inferior team. This was a team on the rise quickly that is you know that has talent and is coached well giving a number one seed all it can handle and a number one seed may be coming out a little rusty or I, I guess you know having to throw things into a blender a little bit when Chad Henney had to play for a stretch but the, the Jaguars should be incredibly proud and happy with their performance I know they didn't win and you want to win but they th- this this they're going to be the, the team to be in that division in the AFC South for a while. I mean, there's a legit chance that Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback Doug Peterson coaches. He's only really had the opportunity to work with Carson Wentz for a couple of years. We know how that ended. And Jalen Hurts, he just very early on, it wasn't a real chance to, to mold a, a quarterback. I'm interested to see what happens when he's he gets the keys you know he has the keys to the franchise he has his guy already there he has a couple years where you know he can he could work with him and build him like he could legit be 
like just another team in the AFC where they have a great quarterback and they have to go through that gauntlet during the playoffs. If they can get some talent around him, I you know I could see you know more Jaguars Chiefs playoff games for years to come. What a weird aesthetic like look to that <laughs> Jacksonville Kansas City Cincinnati. Well, <laughs> you know it's funny. I, I was so thinking about the top it. of the league when I was doing the, the playoff picks. The Andrew Reid coaching tree is alive and well. So you know Dable's kind of an exception because Andy Reid chose not to renew him when he, you know, went to Kansas City. So I, I don't know if that counts as the tree. It was like a, a leaf that fell off. But you have John Harbaugh, you have Sean McDermott and Doug Peterson, you know, some of the best coaches in the game all fall from that that same that same tree. I like I, I don't see any of those guys moving on. Uh, for years to for years to come, maybe unless you know Sean McDermott gets the, the hot seat. But if you're Buffalo, you're onto a good thing with him, so you're not moving on from him. If you're Jacksonville, like you're just happy to have Doug Peterson, considering what you've gone through. And John Harbaugh seems to have a coach for life thing going with. Baltimore. He's been there quite a while. It wouldn't surprise me if sometime in the near future, if they don't work something out with Lamar Jackson, and and there's a, a tough year in Baltimore. It wouldn't surprise me to see a parting of ways just for a fresh start for both. Could be like a Sean Payton situation. Yeah, he's been there for a long time. But speaking of Sean Payton, uh, (laughs) let's talk about his possible next employer, the Dallas Cowboys. If ever there was a situation where you could make the divisional playoffs and have your coach get fired anyway, you're kind of looking at it. The, The Cowboys Twitter feed, and I don't know if it's still up, but... They had a bunch of tweets that were they were linking to articles or to videos or whatever, and the text of the tweets was pretty critical for the team's official Twitter account. Like the text is Jack Prescott gave away two picks and blah blah blah. It's like whoa, hey, you're the team. Like this this tweet is supposed to say a great season. Thank you for the support. Not wow. Dak threw two more interceptions. It's almost like Jerry Jones is trying to sow some discord in the building and told the Twitter manager, Hey, make this team look as bad as possible. So I can fire Mike McCarthy and pay Sean Payton a billion dollars to come in. And honestly, as an Eagles fan, that scares me because Sean Payton was always the coach. Like usually I don't fear coaches. When you look at the schedule, and usually and the Saints typically weren't a team, but like this goes back to when he was an offensive coordinator. Like he's just been a guy that just seems to have their number. And if he could get his hands on, you know, a talented team in Dallas, but a, a team that is always going to have issues swirling around it. That's why I, I thought they were going to lose in the first round. They just Made it one more round this time. They just didn't play a great team in Tampa. Um, this scares me, which probably tells you that it's going to happen. I've heard that <laughs> Sean Payton prefers the West Coast. Like, he really wants to do that. But I also don't know if that's, you know, the the, the leverage to get Jerry Jones or whatever. Like, I can't see Sean Payton going to Arizona to deal with Kyler Murray. I don't see that. Like, why, why would you do that? You can... Basically, have your pick of jobs. When, when, like when you can choose to not do that, why would you do it? <laughs> kind but of. here's the thing: you talk about football coach mindset and arrogance, and every coach thinks, "Oh, well, I can fix Kyler Murray. He's a talent. I can, I can work with him. I can turn him into a quarterback who plays Call of Duty as as opposed to a Call of Duty player who moonlights as an NFL quarterback." Um, we're we're talking about Sean Payton here, and we need to talk more about the Cowboys Niners game. And in particular, you know, everyone's talking about that last play. You know, I talked about Nick Sirianni having galaxy brain, right? Sirianni's out here like, Hey, watch this and runs a fake, fake punt. And then a day later, you got Mike McCarthy, like uh, uh, hold my beers. And he draws up a play where he's got offensive linemen who are eligible and Ezekiel Elliott is not. So I believe Elliott got blown up on the snap because he was the center and then Prescott throws a five or six yard pass to a receiver who is immediately tackled in one of the better rap tackles you're going to see. 
Like it, it's, it's textbook. He just gets wrapped and put right into the ground. If I was the receiver, I would have tried to throw the ball away in the hopes that there was still a second left and that it would then be ruled incomplete. But maybe, maybe you're not thinking like that when you're in the middle of getting demolished by a linebacker or something, but they had an issue with the last play last year against San Francisco in the wild card round where they, they ran a draw play and then they didn't give the ball to the official and the clock ran out. And now they're 70 some yards away. And you talked about a guy going out of bounds in the wrong direction. I don't know who it was, but you're talking about that Cowboys receiver, right? Yeah. He goes out of bounds backwards and, and, and Greg Olson's like, Oh no, you can't no, do no, that. This, oh, this, no. is the, this is the 49ers because that's, that's why they didn't have um, that. Well, then they both teams did it. <laughs> I must have missed the 49ers guy doing it. Well, no, that that's why they couldn't just run out the clock and they had to punt eventually. The the Cowboys were trying to stop the clock and the the player allowed himself to get hit out of bounds backwards and Greg Olson explained that if you run out of bounds it's one thing, but if you are contacted by a defensive player, you have to be going out of bounds forward or immediately to the side in order for the clock to stop. And a lot of people don't really understand that i saw it as it happened i'm like oh he went backwards i wonder if that rule is different you know in the last two minutes whatever but then you see the official come in winding the clock and it just it took too much time off the clock so you know clock management issues we're familiar with those in philadelphia but that play at the end of the game like they had a, a, a dalton schultz caught the ball but he he only got one foot down despite having all the room in the world to get a second foot down. That would have gained them another, I think 10 or 15 yards right before that. But it was, they talked about the Cowboys struggling on the road on grass or whatever. That's not the grass they were on. It seemed like late in that game. No, actually you, I think that now that I'm getting my, my plays mixed up. I think cause Dalton Schultz, I, I forgot he was, he did that. He did both uh, offenses that you're talking about. I think the 49ers, um, I, I think they just kind of failed. To, I think the guy went out of bounds instead of instead continuing of to run or sliding. That's, that's what it, it was. That was the other issue, which is another, I, I the think other what this thing. is, is, is building up say is that was not a particularly well-played game by two teams that were you know playing for a chance to play for a chance for the Super Bowl. That was ironically the best game of the weekend, but it was filled best with... Best or most competitive? The cl- That's the one. Closest and most competitive does not mean good, right? That is true. <laughs> um, like, I think the Jaguars-Chiefs game, which I, I didn't get to see all of, that was that probably, was probably a the good best game, game. Yeah. But, you know, the Eagles game, we loved it. It, it. it was a snooze fest, if you're a neutral. It was well played by one team, for sure. I feel like the Cowboys-Niners game... You can have a good game that's low scoring, but I just feel like it wasn't well played. Just to wrap that game on just one more point, one of my favorite quirks of football is when the referee has to stop play to tell everyone that someone is eligible. Yes. Because it's one of those things of like, hey, hey, they're trying to do a trick play. Just so you know, that tackle can catch the ball. (laughs) But how many times does anything ever happen with it? Well, that's, I think part of it is like, you've got to, you've got to run it four or five times where nothing happens. And he's just blocking for someone so that they get used to that. And they're not like putting a guy on them every time. If you never run that play. And then all of a sudden in the middle of week nine, it's like, uh, Jordan Maialata is eligible. Everyone's like, what's going on? Maybe we should put somebody on him. So it, it, you're right. It is pretty funny where the referee's like, hey, hey, this guy in the, in the number in the 60s, just in case he's allowed to go downfield. Did you get that defense? Are you aware? Are, did you got it? Uh-huh. You're going to you, you got. All right. I, I, I told you. It's 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 just every sport has their, their quirks. I think whatever that happens in football, I'm like, oh, like, can, can we just like get away with that? Like everybody can catch the ball. <laughs> well, that's enough of the other games. There are three NFL games remaining, two conference championship games, Bengals, Chiefs in the AFC, and the winner goes on to the Super Bowl to meet the winner of the 49ers at the Eagles. Sunday, 3 o'clock. Right now, I believe the Eagles are slight favorites in Vegas to the point where I think that Vegas is saying the Niners are a better team, but the Eagles are, are favored because of home field advantage. Obviously, we're a little bit biased, we want the Eagles to win. How do the Eagles win? I could just—I uh, don't even think this takes much of much thought. They're going to air the ball out. I think 
they can't win. They can't help themselves. They're just going to, you know, hit up Smith Brown all over again. And then on defense, like I said earlier, I think they're going to feast on Brock Purdy. I think they're going to see a quarterback who is vulnerable. I mean, he's played really well. There's a chance he could wind up playing in the Super Bowl. But there is a reason he was literally Mr. Irrelevant, literally the last guy picked in the draft. There has to be something coming down to earth. I think Greg Olson made a good point during the telecast where he talked about how little things are popping up, that it's just a matter of experience. He wasn't knocking him per se, but it was just more of like, hey, he's got to learn this to win at this level during the playoffs. And I think something like that could occur. We saw that happen with Jalen Hurts. He seems to be growing past a lot of those things now. Brock Purdy, like, he hasn't even played half a season. You talk about Brock Purdy. He hasn't seen a defensive line like the Eagles, and I mentioned that last week. They are going to chase him around. They are going to abuse him. That's how they're going to win the game. On on Saturday, it was getting a lead – and then doubling that lead and then forcing the Giants to come from behind and take away the running game. Well, I don't I don't know that you're going to be able to do that against San Francisco because they're the best team the Eagles have faced all year, right? They may be the first good team the Eagles have played, you know? Because I don't think there are any great teams in the NFL this year. I think there's a handful of really good ones. And when they played the Cowboys here that was the exception. in Philly – Dak wasn't playing. They played Minnesota week two. Minnesota turned into an okay to good team. Minnesota was lucky. Christmas Eve. Yeah, well, I I know they had a lot of wins in those one-score games, and they didn't lose one until the playoffs, but I feel like that's a situation where you make your own luck. They were a decent team. We'll we'll, we'll compromise. Sure. Yeah, sure. But in Dallas on Christmas Eve, Dallas was a good team. Dallas on the road is a different beast. And – they probably should have beaten Dallas in Dallas, but this is going to be the toughest test that they faced until two weeks later, should they win. But the difference between what it'll take to scheme around Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, this is Brock Purdy we're talking about. Yes, he's played well, but you have got to do to him what you would do to a backup quarterback playing for anybody else. And that is, make him beat you. And if he does it, kudos to him. Good for him. He gets to go to the Super Bowl and he earns it. I just don't think he can do it. And, you know, I've, I've criticized Jonathan Gannon like everyone else has, but I kind of have to back up what I said about Doc Rivers. I have to assume that the Eagles staff knows more about how to stop Brock Purdy and the 49ers than I do. And they'll figure it out. The way they win the game is by being the team that, when fully constituted, is now 15-1. and one. The team that can run the ball for 200 yards or can go through the air and beat you with two elite-level receivers. Just You have to be that team. And credit to Dallas Goddard, too, as the third option, right? That's a pretty good third option to have. They just have to be that team and assert their will on the Niners better than the Niners assert their will on them. And if they don't? Honestly, that's what we have a podcast for. Yeah. We'll talk about it next week. (laughs) I mean, and that's really how they'll lose, too, is if they allow the Niners to control and dictate the tempo and and the tenor of the game. There's the other wild card we talked about. Galaxy Brain Sirianni and his friends doing something inexplicable at a time that it comes back to hurt them. I'm not going to guarantee it happens this week, but I believe that that is how they will lose whenever they lose is going to be something that just, you, you just, you know, you, you stick your face in your hands and you go, why? Why, why, why? I love that you are seething mad about something that hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> it's just something that is completely Isn't that theoretical. what this is all about, John? Isn't that what being a sports fan is? You're teetering right on that edge of, uh, of ecstasy for victory and dread. And the dread is over something that hasn't and may never happen, right? Like sports is the most in the moment thing. All the preparation that you do, I understand, but everything happens in a moment. That's why they play the games. They don't play the games on paper. Everything happens in an instant, 
and yet all we think about are things that happened before or could happen. No one actually focuses on that play as much as where it stands in a greater picture. That's what sports and sports fandom is all about, John. And I will not have you impugn me for getting into the recesses of my own brain. Then why did you say, hey, let's record on Monday night? Because honestly, that's what this podcast is for, right? <laughs> Go ahead and impugn. But before you do, what do you think is the thing that the Eagles have to be the most careful of? What What is the thing that's going to make us next week be lamenting what could have been? It, you know, not, I'm not going to repeat what you said, but I think that's my number one concern. The other thing, it's... I think it's going to come down to the offense. Because I think the defense is going to probably give up something in the low 20-somethings in points. I, I think I think San Francisco has too much talent not to show up. I don't think they could do what they did two weeks in a row unless Brock Purdy really pumpkins this game. But I think it has to come down to the offense. It has to come down to them doing what they do is finding the rhythm early, putting a lot of points on the board, and not letting up in the second half. Like, that's a lot of cliched things, but that's the Achilles heel of this team has been the second half just when they've gotten up too far, and they just relax. It's what I talked about with the Giants game, but, like, that just was a game where... I mean, we saw they, week they one in Detroit. Yeah. And it, it just, just it stuck with them all year. It, it just, it, it's so funny, too, because the flip side of the Doug Peterson era was... And even last year was slow starts, and then they catch fire in the second half. It's the whole complementary football concept of all three units playing consistently well through all four quarters. You know, that's easier said than done, right? Easier said than done, indeed. Well, we've got a bunch of days to wait. Depending when this comes out, it could be three, four days that you have to wait until Sunday's NFC Championship game. Eagles Niners at three, Chiefs Bengals afterward. When the Phillies were were in the NLCS, we said, John, the next time we talk, the Phillies could be going to the World Series. John, the next time we talk, the Eagles could be going back to the Super Bowl for the second time in the last five years. Third time in our lifetimes. It's an exciting time, and uh, let's hope for the best. I I think I would describe my, my, my mindset as you know, you said vaguely confident before. <laughs> I think that's I'm I'm vaguely confident. I don't I don't know why, but I have a feeling they're going to come out on top. Agreed. I'm not worried, but I you're not going to sleep over it. But you're also not going to sleep well on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not overconfident. But at the there, I, there's too much there's too too much anyway. This is what happens too when you have one Super Bowl <laughs> under your belt too, because when you have, when you win when we have the one I say we like I want it um, when you when you have that one you can immediately go to the next one like immediately jeez I really am getting spoiled uh, for, for for the next one the next opportunity same thing with the Phillies in, in this World Series is you had that one special moment and the next one. It's just it's just a little little different. You're like a little less on edge, and I'm a little less on edge. And actually, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I've lost something in the what process. What a dumb thing to hear you say, but at the same time, I I have never related to you more. <laughs> like, I think that's exactly how we all feel. We should like, talk how more stupid often. is it? How how stupid is it that we're like, well, you know, we won one, so okay, it, it's all right. But at the same time, just feeling that makes me think, well, wait a minute, what's up? Like that's <laughs> that that I think that encapsulates it perfectly. Good job by you on that one. I think we should end on that note. I don't think I'm gonna get more praise. <laughs> well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yes, John, Twitter still exists, even though they've changed it to add the for you tab, which is really strange because I've already got a list of, of accounts that post content that interests me it's called the people i follow but uh, i digress uh, you can find us at philly frenetics our website phillyfrenetics.com we'll have quick picks out on friday this week assuming john remembers to send his in i need to beat him this week have the eagles go to the super bowl and beat him in the super bowl to tie him and leave him regretting uh double points 
week 17, 18 picks. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that goes. You can find that on Friday. And like I said, the Eagles game on Sunday. It's Monday night now. Hopefully next Monday night or Tuesday night, we're talking about a trip to the Super Bowl. John, I'll talk to you next time. And as always, go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.